Now, as we get started, uh, sometimes I'm worried, you know, we're going to give you a lot of information and that's a little bit like spam. You almost can't handle all of that. Uh, so let me spam you for just a second here. Uh, part of what has to happen when we are looking at church history and we're looking at the, these sections of the Doctrine Covenants. Uh, again, we're going to be hearing about people, and the more we understand the background, the backstory of these people, if you will, the more these sections make sense to us in a really big way. Um, and this is going to be one of those. We're going to talk about uh, a lot about Martin Harris for the next uh, couple of weeks. And actually, I like the idea of talking about Martin because he's so flawed. <laughs> You know, he runs hot and cold and he needs proof and his faith wavers and he struggles and his home life stinks. <laughs> you know, life is really hard for Martin and he's run hot and cold and in between and he's, a, he's an apostate but he's also one of the three witnesses and I mean he just, he, this guy just ran it all and he just seems so human to me when we start taking a look at our own experiences uh, in life. So... <laughs> Uh, Mark, so think for instance when you have somebody in your ward and they get up and they bear their testimony in fast and testimony meeting and they're going through and they're, they're talking about the pain and struggles they've been through but if you know the backstory, you know what they've been through what their family's doing what they're going through it is so much more poignant to somebody that's, than somebody's just going to walk in cold and hear somebody talking about trials in fast and testimony meeting right? Okay, so let's remind ourselves a little bit about Martin Harris. Oh, by the way, before I do that, without being offensive, as a, as a marriage and family guy, this, this kind of appealed to me. This is life according to Dilbert. According to Dilbert. It, it's a Texas thing. It's life according to Dilbert. Okay. Someday I want to get married because studies show that married people are happier. Okay? And he says, a smarter interpretation is that no one wants to marry an unhappy person. <laughs> Rick, it's like one of those things, some things you just don't mess with. This is one of those. And then, you're annoying. With any luck, your soulmate won't be so perceptive. <laughs> uh, that's good. Okay. All right. That said, let's go back to uh, let's go back to Martin Harris. At the time that Joseph is translating the plates, how old is he? 20, 21, 22. And right in that. No, Joseph Smith. Did I say Martin? Yes. Joseph Smith. 21, 22. How old is Martin? <coughs> Twice his age. Martin has uh, actually fought a couple of battles in the War of 1812. He has been he's been parts of five different churches. Uh, he owns a 120-acre farm, so he's kind of respectable kind of guy. Uh, well, well known in the community, and and he's really struck with what's going on with this with this boy half his age. 
And, and, but also he's kind of this hard scrabble New Englander where he just needs to have proof. Okay? So remember, by the time we even get to these sections, Martin has already um, been part of the translation process. He's had a chance to act as scribe. That, that lasted until he did what? Lost, Lost 116 pages. He kind of forfeited that. Now, I, but even before that, six months earlier, uh, he has been off to uh, visit what has now been called the uh, Three Wise Men in, uh, on the East Coast. We talk about uh, Professor Charles Anthon and, and, and that story about how he says, you know, here's, here's what is being written. Yep, that's, that's Egyptian. Uh, okay, it was a sealed book. Oh, I can't, you know, bring it to me, I'll do it. I can't do that, it's sealed. Well then, and he rips it up, okay? We know that story. Of the three people, and, and we ought to spend, an, I talked about this last year, um, but remember, of the three people that Martin Harris will show it to on the East Coast, Charles Anthon is the least qualified to know what he's looking at. He's never been to Egypt, he's not an Egyptologist, okay? The guy that will seal the deal for Martin and keep him going is a guy by the name of uh, uh, Samuel Latham Mitchell, who has just gotten back from Egypt. He has artifacts in his office. He's comparing the reformed Egyptian that Martin is showing him to the actual things that he had. And he believes that on this continent there were two sets of ancient people that originally come from Israel. So he's, he's on board with all of this. And he says, this is the real deal. Martin, it is. But the, the, it will be Anthony that gets the headlines. It's, it's Mitchell that is, that is the guy that is really knowledgeable on this. Okay? So he did that in the February of 1828. He will lose the manuscript in the fall of 1828. And then we're about to get what happens nine months later. Okay, that's that. That's the backstory. You just say his name again, the guy. Samuel Latham Mitchell. If you will, if you'll go to, Cindy uh, was Richard Bennett. Richard. I, mean, I think so. Richard Bennett gave a talk. This is information that's just been available in the last three years. In fact, it wasn't even released till 2010. It's brand new research, and it was a BYU devotional. Uh, by Richard Bennett called The, uh, the Three Wise Men. I listened to that podcast. It was really fascinating. Really fascinating stuff. This is Brent now puts everything in perspective. Who it is that Martin, why Martin went to them and how he knew them. And knew, yeah. Yeah, they did. And it was enough to introduce them. You ought to go talk to this guy. And so that, that's a pretty fascinating backstory. We won't take time to do that. I just need you to see the timeline before we take a look at what we're about to talk about. So, he does that whole new... He, he's translating for Joseph a bit. Translating. Transcribing. Gets the characters, runs to New York, sees these guys, sees Mitchell. Uh, he will then... And then, give it another six months. He will lose the 116 pages, what's been done. Uh, it will be taken from Joseph. And that's in the summer of 1828. Uh, Oliver won't show up until April of 1829, so it actually sets the whole work back by nine months. Even though it'll be done in about 60 days, it's done quickly, but it will set the work back nine months. Okay, 
Now, here's the other thing that's going on. Well, well, that's happening. Why did why did Joseph go from Palmyra, up in upstate New York, down to Harmony, Pennsylvania? What was in Harmony, Pennsylvania? It was Emma's parents. Okay, and why were they going to go hang out with Emma's parents who weren't real wild about Joseph in the first place? In fact, remember they eloped to get away from the persecution in. Palmyra, okay? So they get down there, and remember when they lose 116 pages, then Joseph is going to go to uh, Mr. Hales, Emma's dad, say, the prophet thing is done, I guess I'm going to be a farmer the rest of my life. And and, uh, Mr. Hales is like, fine, I'm going to get a respectable grandson, or son-in-law, and then he happens to walk in on him, and there's some translation stuff going on, and he's like, oh, you're back doing this. Yeah, Okay, so the persecution begins, and in fact, there's some evidence that suggests that uh, Emma's uncle, uh, a man by the name of Nathaniel Hales, who was a Methodist preacher, was began to seek Joseph's life. So, in the middle of all that, it's time to go again. They need to get out of harmony, and they will then go up. Uh, and spend time with a with a wonderful family that has heard about the gospel up in Coldsville or up in Fayette, and they are just down from Palmyra, about thirty miles over Fayette. And in Fayette, we have the Whitmer family. Okay, and remember that. And so they're going to then he will send for David Whitmer. David Whitmer will then come down, load up Joseph and Emma and everybody and haul them up to Fayette and that's where they will finish that's where the, the main part of the translation will take place. What else happened in Fayette, New York? At the Peter Whitmer farm? Why, why baptism? The priesthood actually happens all down in Pennsylvania. The church is organized. That's why when we talk about the church being organized April 6, 1830 it's at the Peter Whitmer farm in Fayette where they have gone. This is now the third place that they're trying to get this translation done. That's why they're in at the Whitmer Farm. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. That, so that's the Peter Whitmer Farm. So we are now up in Fayette. Now, in part of this translation, though, they're going to run across some interesting things that raises the attention uh, of Martin... Uh, of Oliver and of David Whitmer. If we can go to... Uh, let me just have somebody. Somebody got Ether 4 or 5? You got it? Thanks. Therefore the Lord hath commanded me to write them, and I have written them, and he commanded me that I should seal them up. And he, has, he, has, he also hath commanded that I should seal up the interpretation thereof. Wherefore, I have sealed up the interpreters according to the commandment of the Lord. Okay, so this is Mormon saying the Lord is going to command me to, to take the translation of what I've done, to, taking my dad's records, I put them into these plates, along with a few other things, put those in the ground, along with the interpreters, the Urim and Thummim, and all of that, the breastplate, I'm supposed to put it in there. Okay, now go to Ether 5, 2 through 4. Okay? Who's got that one? Okay? 
Thanks. Can I read it? Yeah. And behold, he may be privileged that he may show the plates unto those who shall assist to bring forth this work. And unto three shall they be shown by the power of God. Wherefore, they shall know of a surety that these things are true. And in the mouth of three witnesses shall these things be established, and the testimony of three, and this work, in which shall be shown forth the power of God, and also his word, of which the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, their record. And all this shall stand as a testimony against the world of the last day. Can you picture that moment? <coughs> jo- Joseph is is dictating this part, and they will be shown unto three. You imagine the look on Oliver's face? Really? Yeah. Or if, or if this, he happens to mention this out loud to Martin. I'm, I, apparently I'm going to have to show the plates that will stand as a witness to three people. What would be Martin's, this hard scrabble, knee proof kind of guy? What would be Martin's reaction? In fact, Joseph said that uh, uh, Oliver and Martin and David Whitmer, uh, it said they began to tease him constantly about this. That's their terminology. What terminology would we use today? Badger. Badger would come closer. <laughs> if, and there is a moment, by the way, for Martin, where in the Peter Whitmer home, they would wake up in the morning and they would have a morning devotional. They would read scripture and have family prayer together. And now here are the Smiths that are here and all of the Cowdery. And I mean, there's all these guys that are here. It's a wonderful little experience here. They're all here. And they would have these morning devotionals. And apparently it was, it was in one of these settings that Joseph got up, walked across the room to Martin and said, you will be one of the three. Okay. Now, we're about to find out. We'll find out today and in tomorrow's, or in next week's class. Those whom the Lord call, he qualifies. And he's going to have to qualify the stuff that's out of Martin Harris. <laughs> He's going to have to move him a great deal to get to a point where he's ready to see an angel. A lot. A lot. (laughs) This was a very rough stone that needed a lot of... Now, part of what I want... The backstory for us, as we're watching these next two weeks, this week and next week, I want you to keep in mind us, because we're dealing with a very flawed individual, and somehow that's very comforting to me. That the Lord says he can take me with all my flaws and get me to a point where I can see an angel. So I want you to see Martin as he struggled, but don't we all? Okay? Alright, so there is a knowledge beginning to creep out that there will be three people that get to see the gold plates and are going to get to bear witness to the world that these plates are real. Now, for Martin's viewpoint, isn't that comforting given what's going on at home? What's going on at home for Martin? Yeah. Ooh. Lucy Harris is unrelenting. She is just ripping. And she is she's obnoxious. Remember, she will she will tear apart 
go home in Harmony, Pennsylvania, looking for the plagues. She come all the way down, and she refuses to leave until she sees the plagues, and she will tear everything upside down inside this house looking for the plagues. She is she's much worse than Martin when it comes. I got to see this thing. Okay, so now that said, I, I now want you to now let's go to DMC five, and if you look at if you look at the date for DNC 5, what month was this given? March of 1829. <coughs> Oliver Cowdery will arrive on the scene in April of 1829. So this is a few weeks prior to Oliver showing up. The work hasn't been going on for nine months. It's been stymied by all of this. But Martin is still there, hanging in there, and he's already heard about the fact there's going to be witnesses, and he's there, and he's anxious, and he's excited about all of this kind of stuff. Okay? Now, let's look then at DNC 5. Now, one more back piece here. If you are Joseph, and you're in your early 20s, and you are uneducated, and you're not very literate, and you're not very verbally very good with, with speaking. That's why I always had to have a spokesperson. Um, he's, he's pretty insecure. He, he knows he's not very smart. He knows he's not very good at any of this. And who all has seen the plays? Him. So every, he's having to count. Here's this young boy, and he's expecting everybody to just trust him. He's the only one that knows. And he's got this older man, this much more established guy, that keeps wanting to see things, and they get burned really bad the following the, the previous summer. But still, Joseph is being badgered by older people, wiser people, and he's not very secure inside himself. Now, let me take a step back. Again, see yourselves through these people. How many of you struggle with the idea that says, at the end of the day, I'm, not, I'm really not very smart? If my Laurel class ever figures this out, <laughs> if my kids ever figure this out, if the ward ever figures this out, then I'm not very bright, or I don't know very much. And that's Joseph. What if they find out that I just don't know that much? I think I do. I've seen some amazing things, but they're having to trust me. Because I can't show it to anybody. Okay? So, listen. So Joseph is going gonna, is, is gonna to get a revelation for Martin, but there are two people being taught here, right? Martin and Joseph. The Lord's going to do this in such a way so that he's teaching Joseph as much as he's teaching Martin. Joseph the insecure, young guy, Martin the one that has to have proof of everything, and he's having a very difficult time at home. Okay? So with all of that, verse 1, Behold, I say unto you that my, certain Martin, my servant Martin has desired a witness at your hand, uh, that you have got the plate to which you testify and borne record, and, and this, and listen to verse 2, And now, behold, this shall ye say unto him. 
If we put that in modern terms, that's the Lord saying what to Joseph. Tell him I said this. Quote me. From the Lord. This is what the Lord is saying to you. This isn't Joseph. This is the Lord speaking to you, Martin. Okay. Tell him I said this. He who spoke unto you and say unto you, I, the Lord, am God. Okay, that'd get his attention, wouldn't it? And have given these things unto you, my servant Joseph, and have commanded what? You, Joseph, that you should be what? A witness. Okay, I'm behind you, Joseph. This is not your work, this is me. And I'm using you. You're my prophet. And now he's got to plump up a prophet and start preparing Martin. We're doing both things simultaneously here. Verse 3, I've caused that you should enter into a covenant with me that you should not show them uh, except to those persons to whom I have commanded you. And you have what? No power except... Yeah. So by the way, just a reminder, it's, it's not you saying I don't want to show to, to who I will, it's the Lord directing me. By the way, did Emma ever get to see the plates? I, I find that interesting, I don't know why. I don't know why Emma didn't get, get to see the plates. Mother Whitmer will, but not Emma. I, I, I don't understand. But anyway, but I'm the Lord that's going to command this. Um, you shall have no power except uh, I grant it unto you. Um, verse 4, this was the gift I bestowed upon you. I will grant unto you no other gift. We've talked about that. Okay, now. But let, let's get up to this because here is... Look at verse 21. And again, think of those of you that, that again, maybe don't feel very confident in the church confident in the gospel um, and, and now you get that chance to say what happens if you don't feel very confident about the church and somebody's going to ask you about the church this is the Mormon moment right you're Mormon what do Mormons believe or I heard that Mormons believe in whatever and you're not very confident or think about our youth our youth have got to go out into the world every day and face a whole high school of kids that go, well, you're kind of weird. How, how come? I got an email from a little gal in another state and she's like, Brother Hinkley, this is so hard. My friends have dropped away from the church and I'm getting all this flack at school from kids. I'm, I'm, I really am peculiar. I'm strange because they'll all go... They want to go see his movies, and I can't go there. They're all going to go to prom, and I'm not going to go there. I'm really, really weird. Now, can you get a sense how Joseph might be feeling? I'm kind of insecure. I'm not sure. These guys are older. They seem to be wiser. The Peter Whitmers and Martin Harris's, and even the Joseph Smith seniors, have much more life experience than me. But listen, but listen to the Lord speaking through Joseph to Martin, but also to Joseph. 
verse 21. And now I command you, my servant Joseph, to repent and walk more uprightly before me. And here comes the thing he has to repent of. And do what? Yield no more unto persuasions of man. That's a repentable offense. If we're not going to stand for this, he's saying, you you need to repent because your problem, Joseph, is that too often you've done what? Given in. Yeah, you've relied on other on men, you're listening to them, you're not listening to you and what you know from me. You've been talked into things a lot. Any of our youth ever, ever struggle with that? Yeah. The, our, our singles in the singles program, big time problem. We have, I mean, we struggle with a lot of things. We're being persuaded because you're lonely and all kinds of things. Isn't it hard? We've been persuaded by men to do what? Give up what we know. To do things contrary to what we know. And Joseph was doing that. Oh, it's expired, huh? (laughs) I don't think I'll renew now. We need to renew that, I guess, so that we'll quit doing that. Okay. By the way, there is a little little chilling note here. Look at the end of verse 22. And that you be firm in keeping the commandments, Joseph, whereof I've commanded you. And if you do this, behold, I will grant you eternal life, even if you are slain. Here's the foreshadowing. And it's coming early. Okay. Now, here we go. And this is... This is as, as right on a zinger as I, can, as I can find. Coming to Martin. Here it comes. And it starts at verse 23. And this is... The, he, he's going to level a blast here. And if you, you've got to listen closely to what Martin is being hit with. Okay? And now I speak unto you, verse 23, my servant Joseph, concerning that man who desires the witness... Okay. Behold, I say unto him, he exalts himself and does not humble himself sufficiently before me. But if he will bow down before me and humble himself in mighty prayer and faith and sincerity of heart, then I will grant unto him a view of the things he desires to see. Martin, it can happen. The Lord's going to give it to you if you do what? Humble, bow down, yeah, and pray. Now, this is going to become real important in just a second. And he'll say, verse 25, he'll say unto the people of this generation, I've seen the things the Lord has shown me. that's shown unto Joseph, Joseph Smith Jr. Now, listen closely. And again, if you know the backstory of all the stuff that went on with the 116 pages, now this ought to just leap out at you what the Lord is now going to say to Mark. Okay? 
27. But if he deny this, denies what? Seeing the plates. Okay. Now let, let's let's back up a little bit, and, and we'll we'll hit it again in just a second. Did did Martin ever deny seeing the plates? No, no he didn't. Even when he was at his most bitter, uh, there is there is an occasion that there are a couple of occasions uh, that have been recorded. One is. Uh, he actually, uh, his wife will die in 1836. He will marry Brigham Young's niece. Uh, they will pack up and actually end up in Utah. Martin will hang back in Kirtland. The saints have all gone. He's giving tours through the Kirtland Temple. He's disaffected from the church. He's pretty quick to tell people that he should have really been the president of the church, not Joseph. And then they'll say, there's a case of somebody going through the curtain temple saying, uh, but did you really see the plates and did you really see an angel? And he was very quick. He had his pattern the rest of his life. And at this point, the, the visitor said they were standing by one of the windows, I think probably where, where the keys are restored, uh, as we'll talk about in section 110. Anyway, so he got this big window, the light's coming down, and he goes... I saw that angel and I saw the plates as real as you see this sunlight right here. Or another to another visitor he would say, it is as real as this table. And he's slamming the table. I can see the table. I can feel the table. I saw the angels. I saw the plates. I mean, he just, he'd always use something concrete. Or another, with another one in Utah, he will say, do you see my hand? That angel was as real as this hand is in front of your face. He'll always use something concrete. It, and one of the charges leveled against this is that it was a vision. Some of the anti-Mormon tracks will say it was a vision. He just thought he saw it. And he wanted everybody to know it's very concrete. It's as concrete as this table or this hand or that light. So never deny. Yeah? I think it's an interesting contrast with how much maneuvering it sounds like there was for Martin to be able to see the plates and other people. And you mentioned that Mother Whitmer was giving that privilege. Yeah. She was just about her business. Yeah. The animals in the barn. And an angel, a personage, appeared to her and said, yeah. because you've been so... The old guy in the knapsack. You've been working and supporting this work and all these people are in your home. and you kind know, of worn so out. Just, and we're giving you the privilege of seeing these plates. And so she didn't see it. She had no intention to you know, ask. And yet, she was humbly going about her duty, and she was doing the privilege. Yeah, it had a very pure heart. And just, and there's where it is. And that's why I say, for Martin to be able to see this, he had to be purified by fire. And over and over and over, he had to be cleansed from all this stuff. I think that's a, that's a really good point for her. It was, it was not that big a deal. Yeah. Why do you think that? I mean, God certainly knew what he was going to do. Yeah. Why would, why would you choose him? Oh. Okay. To me, it makes it a very strong witness. Absolutely. Having actually turned away, never denying that. That makes him even stronger. In fact, of the three witnesses, how many apostates? Apostates. How many left? All of them. 
All of them came. All of them left. Two of the three came back. And think about the way the Lord did this. And it's genius in the way that it, in this worked. I'm going to have three witnesses. Well, of course, they, were, they would say that they saw it because they were always part of the church. No, they apostatized. They all left and were bitter against the church. Did they ever deny it? No. What did they see? Angel plagues. Anybody else see it? Just those three? Yeah, there were eight who saw the plagues. They see the angel? No. But what did they get that the three didn't get? Pick it up. Pick it up. Turn the pages. You got eight with no angels who actually get to hold it. You got three who didn't get to hold it but saw an angel and heard the voice of the Lord. Wow. And none of the eleven, the Joseph that's twelve, um, ever denied this. So the other side of that question is, why did they apostate? I mean, how can you, how can you have a witness like that? There's a million dollar question. Because we're going to get to a point uh, in the not too distant future we're about to talk about. When we get to the, the apostasy and curtain, uh, over the curtain of safety society and, and the, out, the out after the dedication of the curtain temple, we're going to go through the fact that one of the, the three members of the first presidency, two of the three uh, uh, witnesses to the Book of Mormon, and eight of twelve members of the Quorum of the Twelve will all apostatize. And they, after what they saw in the Kirtland Temple during the dedication, they will all do that. So that's going to be a perfect question. Yeah. We, my husband is um, a descendant of the Johnson family. Yeah. And they, I mean, the Savior appeared in their home. And we have some things that Luke has written. And it's interesting because, you know, he was, he was in the first form of 12 when he apostatized. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with, there were things they had testimonies of, just like those three witnesses. They had a testimony of that Book of Mormon, and they saw it, and they saw those plates. But they didn't have a testimony of the prophet, or they didn't have a testimony. Mm -hmm. There were, it was, the church wasn't this big whole thing to them at that point still. It was... Just these little, and we're still that way today. We get testimony of little bits and pieces of things here and there. Yeah, and it was a very, they were very rough. And remember, we're, we're talking about the Joseph and, or the Oliver and David are, be, are about to be told, you have the same gift as the prophet Joseph. The same gift. Oh, cool, then I'm just as good as he is. I mean, they did, without the tradition, without the understanding, we're going to find it was easy to get sucked up in their pride and get pulled out. And, and, but like you, I'm a little amazed by the fact that people would have seen. I mean, uh, Section 76 is uh, uh, Sidney Rigdon, who's seen the Savior and, and all of that kind of stuff he leaves. Uh, although I think he was brain damaged. We'll talk about that later. Uh, literally, was brain damaged. Um, and then uh, Oliver Cowdery, who is going to be there in the temple, seeing the Savior and Moses and... And then he apostatized. Okay, so yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a really good question. Yeah. Well, I mean, so did Lenny and Lemuel. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they saw it all too. You have to have the testimony and the the faith, and that just confirms it. But if that comes without all that, um, in fact, hang hang on to that. Sorry, we're we're gonna go right there because we're actually gonna get a verse that I think applies to us uh, that is part of this. We may want to turn the heat up just a little bit. I'm feeling good, but I'm walking around. I assume you guys are freezing. 
That's the Peter Whitmer farm. That's where the church was organized. Okay? And upstairs, and we're about to see the Peter Whitmer chamber. It was like the original Holy of Holies. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they haven't left yet. In other words, because remember, when Oliver shows up, Oliver will actually meet them in harmony. And then what's going to happen is somewhere in there, I don't have the exact date, when it gets really bad, I think it's about the time that Oliver shows up and it really starts to rock and roll. Now, I think that's when Nathaniel Hale is most upset. This thing is now moving. They're translating a pretty good clip. Now, Now the persecution increases. Okay, now it's time to... Call for David Whitmer. Get us up to Fayette. Get us out of this this situation. It's getting intolerable. And we're on a roll. Okay. All right. So listen to this. Uh, Verse 28. In fact, before I do this. We have in our... the, The history of... Let's just go ahead and set it up now. With the, with the three witnesses, Joseph will actually then pick up, he'll, he will have Oliver, he will have Martin, uh, David Whitmer will be kind of working in his farm, they will show up and say, David, uh, you want to see, you ready to see the plates? Well, yeah, okay, we're going now. And they will head off and actually into a, a, some woods, where the family was tended to have kind of little devotionals or something out there. I don't understand all of that. Anyway, they know where they're going. They're going to go out and and to see the to see the plagues. Okay. So there are four of them praying. Joseph prays. They just all pray in order. Anything happening? No, nothing's happening. Okay. Then what happens? For those of you who know the story, Martin goes, "It's me." Nothing's happening. It's me. I know it is. It was. <laughs> so Mark, so Jonah says, Martin, why don't you like take a hike? You go do some praying. I'll, I'll be with you in a few minutes. Okay. Flawed Martin. Off he goes. Now you got three of them. They start praying. What happens? Bingo. Lights are on. Here we go. Angel shows up, shows them the plates. Here it is. They hear the voice of the Lord, bearing record to all of this. Marvelous experience. Okay? Then it's done. Everybody's thrilled. Except for the guy who really had been bugging him since March to see this thing. He's over there praying for a long time. We don't know how long that vision took, how long that experience was. So then Joseph was going to trot through the woods, find Martin. Uh, what do you think Mark's praying about? A repenting of what? You want to find out what he was praying about? Let me tell you what I think he was praying about. Because here it comes. Verse 28. And now, accept Martin, humble himself, and acknowledge unto me the things he has done which are wrong. In modern repentance language, we would call that what? Confessing. Apparently what Martin has not done to this point is confess. 
Now, the Lord knows that he did it, right? Martin knows that he did it. Why is he having to confess to the Lord who knows what he did, what it was he did? Okay? Is that, what is there about confessing to the Lord who knows what we've done, that we have to confess to him who knows what we did? What is the why humility? Yeah. You take ownership. You're going to own what you did, and you're going to own it like, boy, I screwed that up. But you're, if you can't turn and say it to the Lord, that's part of the process, isn't it? Also, by confessing it, if that, whatever that is, kind of loses its power over you. That's why this confession process, if it's a bad when you go to the bishop, everything else, you've got to confess it to the Lord. And it's part of the repentance process because of the humility that it brings. Anything else that confession does? Why relief? Because you have From from the person that is going to grant it. Repentance is not just stopping doing it. How many people you know? It's like I've repented. Well, how do you know? Well, I just quit. Is that complete repentance? No, you're going to feel genuinely the pain and everything. Why are you going to have to confess? Because you have to go to the person that will grant you the cleansing. That's why the mistake is made off time in the church when we talk about repentance and we're going to do the seven R's. You know, and I'm going to refrain and then I'm going to... Uh, whatever those things are. And, and we continually leave out the most important R. Which is Redeemer. Somehow I did it all. I repented. Did you really? Do you really grant yourself a forgiveness of sins? Do you really cleanse that out of your heart by your own dang self? Through personal Gethsemane. You have to do your Gethsemane and you're applying for this forgiveness from the person that grants it. That's why I have to seek forgiveness from him and confess what I did. And I'm saying to him, I know I can't do it on my own. I need you to do it. But I have to tell you what I did, how I feel about it. I need, I need you to do what I can't do. I need the atonement. And you've got to go to the person that can grant it. If it's simply a matter of, hey, I did it, I made restitution, I got over, I confessed to the bishop, uh, and then you tell me how long before I take the sacrament again, and then I, now I'm done. Who did it? I did. That's why confession is part of repentance in such a huge way. What do you think Martin was working on here? In the woods. Oh, did I screw up. Here's what I've done. There's a part in here, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because we don't know all the details where the Lord is going to say to Martin, don't covet your neighbor's wife. He's having a hard time at home, and I guess. So we don't know what all it was that Martin was really needing to repent of. I would think that part of this is going to be that he just recognizes that he needs to confess. So, so look at what we're going to get then, specifically. Verse 28. 
And now accept Martin humble himself and acknowledge unto me the things he hath done and covenant with me that he will keep my commandments and exercise faith. Behold, I say unto him, if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't confess what he's done, then what happens? He shall have no such views, for I will grant him no views of the things of which I've spoken. Martin, unless you confess, you won't see squat (laughs) of the things that you want so bad and you've been badgering Joseph for months to see. And I believe that Martin was in that grove and nothing is happening. And he's going, oh shoot, I haven't confessed. And, And now nobody's seen this, including me. And it's borne out by the fact that Martin leaves and the vision immediately happens. The visitation immediately happens. Does that make sense? Okay. Now. Now, verse 29. Remember the backstory. Remember how many times did Martin ask Joseph to give the 116 pages of manuscript? Three times. Can I do it? No. Can I do it? No. Can I do it? <sighs> All right. And he keeps badgering Joseph, and Joseph keeps going back to the Lord and said, I know you said no, but he's driving me nuts, and you know, and he's helping me out here, and he's older and wiser, and you know, and his wife is driving him nuts, and I, I've met her, and I don't blame him. <laughs> so I know you said no. Could you please, you know, I want to get him off my back too, and you know, how do you say no to a war veteran? Now listen to the Lord. And this is as pointed as it gets. And now, I will show him no no views. And now if this be the case, if this happens, I command you, my servant Joseph, if he's going to break that covenant or he's going to deny any of this, I command you, my servant Joseph, that ye shall say unto him. And what he's basically saying, here's what God is saying to you. This is from the God in heaven, specifically to you, Martin. That he shall do no more. If you mess this one up, you might as well go home, because you're not going to be attached to this work ever again. No, no three get no three chances on this one. This is it. You are as far out on the plank, <laughs> you know, on the pirate ship. You're just kind of standing out there on the plank and says, "There's no more. There's no second chance on this one." You've kind of worn all that out. No more. And Joseph, oh Joseph, by the way, not only will it be no more for him. So, trouble me no more concerning this matter. If you're a mom saying this to a kid, what are you saying? Don't ask again. Don't come back in a week and ask me again on this. Trouble me no more on this matter. This is his last chance. Don't trouble me again. Ouch. Okay. And then we're going to get that And then it's at the end of this verse, by the way, uh, verse 34, we we talked about it the other day, where the Lord is saying, okay, now, 
Stop and stand still. Oliver is coming. This is March. So tell Martin to hang in there. He's got some repenting to do. The work will continue. Here comes Oliver. Okay. Questions on that? Really poignant stuff, especially if you see it in the context of what it was meant to be. Okay. Yeah. He was, but Oliver didn't even know he was going to be working in this yet. So he had. This is March. Oliver won't get there until April third or fourth. And the angel came to. Um, to show him the plates in June. Oh. If, you, if you kind of see the timeline on this, this becomes kind of important. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, let's talk witnesses then. By the way, that's what they saw. We have, have a photograph of it. It's cool. <laughs> let's go to DNC 17. Yeah. Yes, there was only one. There was only one set of Urim and Thumb. Were there other? Were there other seer stones? Yeah, Joseph had. Joseph had other seer stones other than Urim and Thumb. Okay. In fact, I was. Uh, we we took our kids when I was uh, in a bishopric a few years ago. We took our kids up to uh, the kids in the in the war. Uh, up to Utah uh, on a ski trail. Uh, back in those days, we could do these like massive things, and we did it. And we stayed in the house of the attorney for President Hinckley at the time. He put us up in the top part of his house, and we were sleeping up there. It was a fun experience and everything. But this guy was a collector. And one of the things that he had just obtained for... He bought it at great expense and donated it to the church when it was one of Joseph Smith's seer stones. Other than the Urim and Thumb. He had it showed us a picture of it. Round white stone. One of those that Joseph had owned. Okay? And, and so, by the way, where is that? He goes, oh, that's in President Hinckley's vault. In fact, if President Hinckley dies today, I have instructions. I'm supposed to go in and remove certain things out of the vault. And I had a new president come. Interesting. All right. Why would he need more than one? The Urim and Thummim were very uh, specific to translating the Book of Mormon. There were other things that Joseph is going to receive through a seer stone. Remember, the seer stones, as, as were the, the Urim and Thummim, were like training wheels. I have this rough, insecure, uneducated boy that needs to mature spiritually. <coughs> and I'm going to give him things that will enable him to feel the Spirit. So he's, in the early days, he's using seer stones. He's using uh, uh, the Urim and Thummim. Uh, there were other things that were there were other things available to him to teach them how to recognize the spirit. Yeah. So this is the self same Urim and Thummim as Moses gave to Aaron. Uh, this is the no. Is th th this is a very specific one. In fact, let's look at verse one. Thank thank you for asking, Trey. Verse 1 of DNC 17. Behold, I say unto you, 
And by the way, if you look back, this is given to the, the, the three amigos here. I say unto you that you must rely on my word, which, if you do with full purpose of heart, ye shall have a view of the plates. And they go, oh, that's what we wanted. We wanted to see the plates all along. But is that how the Lord works? Remember, what did Nephi want to see after, from what his father saw? He wants to see the tree of life. Did he see the tree of life? Yeah, what else? Always more, right? How the life of the Savior, he saw uh, his, his, uh, his people, saw the founding of America, he saw the destruction, last days. All he just wanted to see was the tree. Yeah, and then he understood what the tree, the interpretation of the tree, and all of that. Every time that uh, when when the brother of Jared goes up on the mount, what does he want? I just, I just need light. We you know we solved the air problem and the steering problem, but I just want light. Did he go up there expecting to see the Lord? No. When we when we take to the Lord what we want, He's going to give us what we need to quote uh, the Rolling Stones. We don't always get what we want, but we get what we need. And what we need is far more than we have any idea. The Lord always gives us more. So what did, the, what did these three guys want to see? The place. That would be cool. But wait, there is more. Because he's going to say, yeah, okay, so you'll get a view of the plates, and also what? Breastplates. Oh, bonus. That's cool. I like that. Okay. And by the way, what else? Wow, that would be cool. You mean the original sort of... Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. The Urim and Thummim. Now, Trey, here we go. Urim and Thummim, which were given to the brother of Jared on the mount when he talked to the Lord face to face. The, wow, you're looking at the stones that the brother of Jared had. Go back to Ether and go back to, to what Mormon is saying. I'm going to put in this place, I'm going to put the records and the interpreters, right? The interpreters are the Urim and Thummim. And these are the original Urim and Thummim given to the brother of Jared, touched by the hand of God. Wow. When he talked to the Lord face to face, anything else? Oh, by the way, I'll also show you the marvelous directors called the Leahona. Man, really? That's, that's pretty awesome. I'm going to show you all of this. By the way, is that all they saw? Uh, no. In fact, let me, let me go to, let me have David Whitmer fill in this part. David Whitmer, the other two brethren came back. Oliver Calgary and Martin Harris. Uh, Martin came out to Utah when he was 87, and he lived about another 10 years after that. He wouldn't go away, and he just, you know, he, he's up there in, in Cache Valley, and, and uh, Oliver uh, is rebaptized into the church, and he will die just a few months after, shortly before, while he's making arrangements to go to Utah. <coughs> David Whitmer will outlive everybody. That we know of, David Whitmer gave somewhere along the lines of 52 or 54 
newspaper interviews that were printed in the newspaper attesting of what he'd seen. Over and over. And then on his deathbed, this is pretty close to deathbed repentance time. We not only saw the plates of the Book of Mormon, but also the brass plates and the plates of the Book of Ether. The plates, now listen to this one, the plates containing the records of the wicked and secret combinations of the people of the world down to the time of their being engraved and many other plates. If you're thinking that this was simply a matter of ding, angel, here's the plates, cool, see ya. This was a much more involved experience. Uh, my own belief is, is that Oliver of the will give a long, detailed account later in his history of going into a cave and seeing all kinds of things, records piled all over there. And the first time he goes in, the sort of laban is in its sheath. And then the next time he goes in, the sort of laban is out on the table and it says this won't be sheathed again until the second coming. I mean, there's a, there's a long history. I think this is probably pretty close to what they were seeing. They're seeing a lot. These are, in essence... In, in, in kind of the, the old Catholic terminology, these are the sacred relics. This is the proof of uh, prophethood and kingship that's being passed down the line. Because remember, and we have it in, in, uh, in Alma 36 and 37. And Alma 37, the Lord is giving, or uh, Alma's giving all of turning the records and everything over to Elaman. And now in 37 he says, oh, by the way, here's the Leahona. So let me do an object lesson with the Leahona. This is what our, the director, our father, saw. It led to his wilderness. And you, you follow your heart like this. I mean, he's using it as a... But, but this is what would happen. It's the transfer of power. Whenever you... Whoever's got the sacred relics is now, is now in charge. It's just that additional witness. That this is who's God. Does that sort of make sense? Now, by the way, as a side note, let me just throw this in here. And I can't remember. Heber C. Kimball, maybe? Talks about a time in the church, time in, the, in uh, as we close to the second coming, that we're going to see a, we could see a major schism in the church. Could be a real test coming. How hard would it be? if you knew that like three or four of the apostles, and I don't know if this is how it would go down, but let me just throw out a hypothetical. How hard would it be for you if you heard that several of the apostles had decided that the, that the prophet had gone astray and that they were breaking off? Yeah, you're going to follow the prophet, but, and, but Heber C. Kimball gave us one other little caveat. Follow the prophet, but also, if you're not sure who to follow, follow the, the personal revelation. You're going to get a personal revelation, but there's a relic. Follow the records of the church. Whoever has the records of the church has the authority. Okay? So keep, keep that in mind. Follow the, and this is the same kind of thing. There's these relics, the, these physical objects... <laughs> Had a lot. Um, but how do we follow this? 
That's true. Follow the records of the church. Whoever's in charge of the vault uh, is, is, is going to be the one to follow. Okay? Which, by the way, is not necessarily... So, so think about this. If you've got, you've got the sword of Laban and you've got the Leahona, that's like the... the, the that, that's the king, right? Whoever's got these two through the Book of Mormon times. Ever seen Kurt pictures of like the, the king of England? You know, how do you know who the king is? What do they got? Scepter. The scepter. Crown. <coughs> the crown. They got the, the crown jewels. It's like that goes to that. And, and there is a, they have a ball. There is a ball thing. And a sword. Okay? That's, that's how it works. Yeah. Well, Nephi also, when they had the split, Nephi took the brass plates and he went. That's right. And remember, when Nephi goes, and the, and the Lamanite tradition says, uh, why are you following the, uh, this is, I remember, Lamoni's father says, and, he's, and there's, there's Lamoni, and there's Ammon, and they're like going off to rescue Aaron and the boys, and, and the father goes, where are you going with the son of a robber? What's a robber? Thieves break in and steal stuff. Robbers steal authority. And robbers, and that, that's the difference in that terminology. A robber is someone that would steal what's rightfully yours from you. And, and part of what made Nephi a robber was that he stole the, I, I believe he had the rod of, of uh, Lehi. I think that was in there. But all of it had the Leahona. He had the, the sword of Laban. He had the relics. He had the symbols of power that was stolen from us. Those, whoever those are, are the king. They're in charge. He, they, they were stolen from us, so we're supposed to get these back. So this witness thing saying, this is all the stuff that is now, Joseph doesn't have it like sitting in his house. But it's being granted unto Joseph access to this stuff if he needs it. That's a transfer of power as part of the restoration of all things. Does that, does that make sense? Are we swimming too deep? Okay, good. Now, questions? Yeah. Can we go back to the year of the Because you've got me confused now. So are you saying the 16 stones that the brother Jared received yes. are considered the year of the No. Year? No. Apparently there was in that mix. Uh, in addition to those 16 stones, or I guess it could be one, one set of those or something like that, I think there was extra because it says it was given by the Lord rather than Brother Jared showing up and he touches it. So I think in addition to those 16 stones, I think the Lord also gave him stones that would then act as the interpreters. To, to, for, for legs specifically, so the people down the road, like King Mosiah would be able to translate the Jaredite records and it would come from, the Lord would provide the interpretation thereof. And I think, so these are specifically given by the Lord. That's amazing stuff. And this is why it is, remember, this is what Joseph was looking at, not necessarily on the breastplate, where you put the bow and the, and the urine thumb in here so you can kind of look at it. Right there. I think he was putting the stones in a hat and just kind of holding it up there to keep the ambient light out so we can see it in the dark. Okay? So another, yeah? Yeah, I just have a comment because I'm sorry, I'm 
stuff, the, the, the authority. Well, and to me, I see the parallel, the people want the gold, they want the authority, but they don't want the priesthood. Oh, yeah. Blessing. Right. We don't want the consequences and responsibilities to go with that. We just, in other words, we're going to see it uh, for power and control. We're not going to see it to serve and bless. So I, that, that's a perfect way. And those that misunderstand that, misunderstand because they see it as power and control, and they don't see it as, I've been given these things and the responsibility to love and bless and serve those. That's why it has to, that's why it's pearl before swine. And you don't give those valuable things to somebody who doesn't understand what they're looking at. Yeah. Are all of these records a part of what Adam will give to the Savior? That's a good question. Although it sounds like we're not sure with these. But the most important records that Adam and the sons of Levi and the sons of Moses are going to give to the Savior, Adam on Diamond, that great, great big sacrament meeting, is the temple records. That's, that's the offering that says, this is, we did it. Here are the names of the people that we have done. Uh, and re let me remind you again, by the way, uh, because the... the uh, the uh, open house for the Kansas City Temple is when? Uh, April 7th. Yeah, very cool. Adjacent to that temple is what? There's a brand new, I don't know if they're building it yet, but the storage facility for the rector? The backup to the Grand Falls? And it just and, the, the, and, and it's in Kansas City in Missouri. That's awesome. Where do we get the it's a short drive, about an hour and a half now. Adam on Dion, from the van. We're up there because there's a second meeting about to happen. Yeah. Where's the church news article about that? I haven't found it in the church news article. I found it. It's actually reported in the uh, in the uh, local Kansas City church. Has been quiet on this. Very quiet on this. But it, but it, enough. They announced. To, to uh, the uh, that area, the Richmond area is in the Richmond paper. They, they own thousands and thousands of acres up there around Avondale. I know yeah. the, the agent that's bought it all. It's, it's very real what's going on. It, it is, but this building, this thing adjacent to the Kirtland or to the Kansas City Temple, is one that the square footage and everything is all in place. In the, in. But we digress. I don't think that person turned up the heat. <laughs> uh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Oh, let's see. Okay, so we're back here. So feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose today. We're getting a lot of we're getting a lot of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna make a comment. Martin Harris's experience, it sounds like it's very different than David Whitmer and Oliver Cowdery, so because they have this vision on this stuff. But Martin later said he did hold the plates. Was one of his accounts and said how much it weighed and looked good or whatever. When he was Martin did? Right, this was when he was in Utah right at the end. Because there was all those questions about, you know, whether he saw his own eyes or spiritual eyes. It's when he's right, 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 right. And he clarified that yeah, I said and he, and he says that he actually got to them. Right, they misunderstood. He said, I held them on my knee for an hour and a half, specifically. Really? I thought, I'd like to, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see that. You know, you can't be 
But, but I think he, it sounds like maybe he didn't get to have all the other neat stuff that happened. He might not have. Martin, Martin was a unique individual. The, the Lord kind of brought him through. Yeah. When you see the work of the Lord in the first uh, video, it uh, shows Martin. I think it shows him as a very compassionate person. Yeah. And so it, you realize, yeah, he had his flaws and weaknesses, but he still had this kind of good, jolly sense. It, well, and if he was as wicked as, as sometimes you, you kind of hear it, he's a wicked man and repent of all this stuff, he wouldn't be one of the witnesses to the Book of Mormon. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be helping find the quorum of the Twelve if he was that. So I, I agree with you. That's why I say, I love the fact that he's flawed because it's so real and it's so us. That we have our struggles on one side and we have who we are on the other. And the Lord says, I'll take you and make you into what I, what I intend you to be in spite of your own thing selves. Okay? Alright. There appeared as it were a table with many records and plates on it. Beside the plates of the Book of Mormon, the Sword of Laban, the directors, the ball which Lehi had, the interpreters. I saw them as plain as I see this bed. See? Striking, striking the bed behind them. These guys all did this. And I heard the voice of the Lord as distinctly as anything I've ever heard in my life declaring the records of the plates of the Book of Mormon were translated by the gift and power of God. David Whitmer? Pride. It's just simple bullheaded pride. Uh, he had, he felt like he had been... When, when we get to what happened at uh, Far West, I think you'll understand better. Uh, Sidney Rigdon's salt sermon that some among us have lost their savor. Uh, there's some things with some Danites where they're going to where they're, in, they're sending some letters out to some of these brethren that they ought to leave tonight because we're pretty angry about the way you've handled affairs here. And that's when we lose Oliver, David, and W.W. Phelps specifically. So it, it'll make sense. So he was really kind of emotionally jarred by that. I don't think he ever forgave, especially Sidney Rigdon, for what he did. Yeah. I read the talk recently. And something I had when I was a BYU student, uh, Speeches of the Year by Alvin Ricks. Uh-huh. He said... Somebody asked David that. He said, I didn't leave the church. The church left yeah, he did. That's right. So I'm, I'm still who I was, and the church left me, kind of thing. Yeah. Martin Harris said the same kind of thing, you know. Yeah. I, so, all right. Well, you can't see that very well. <clears throat> so let me get the lights. Thank you. I just want you to be able to see that. This is, in section 128, it's going to talk about uh, the, the chamber uh, and, and Peter, Whitmer's, Peter Whitmer's chamber. 128 or 118? 128. What do we hear? A voice of, you know, and the voice of the Lord in, in Father Whitmer's chamber. That's the chamber. It's, it's where a lot of the translation took place. Up there, upstairs, in that Peter Whitmer hall. Okay? Uh, you can put the light back on. I just know you couldn't see that very well. Okay, now. So the, the brethren are going to get to see all that. And then listen to this boy. Who's been carrying this burden. For all this time. Moving the, this work forward. And I'm just this young guy. And all these people are believing in me. And people are tearing up our houses. And chasing us from home to home. Because they're after this set of plates. He comes back from this experience with the, uh, with the uh, witnesses. 
He comes in there. His mom is actually visiting, I guess, uh, down there, uh, along with a couple of others. He throws himself on the bed, right in the middle of these ladies that are talking, and he says this. Father, mother, you do not know how happy I am. The Lord has now caused the plates to be shown to three more besides myself. They have seen an angel who has testified to them. They will have to bear witness to the truth of what I have said, for now they know for themselves that I do not go about to deceive the people, and I feel as if I was relieved of a burden which was almost too heavy for me to bear. Think about what a friendly, gregarious guy that Joseph Smith was and to have people not believing him or hating on him. Just a, must have just tore every part of him. Was that the room where they had the School of the Prophets? No, the School of the Prophets is upstairs in the Kirtland Temple. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll get to that one. Okay, then he says... And it rejoices my soul that I am, I am not any longer to be entirely alone in the world. Does that tell you where he was? Wow, I just, I just love that. Okay, well the time we have remaining, good discussion by the way. Okay, guys. Um, I want to I finish with this because there's something that is mentioned in... There's something in 17 that I think strikes us particularly as well. And I think this is, this is what we need to take away from all of this. Because obviously none of us get to be one of the three witnesses. We're not getting to see the plates. So, what, so how does this apply to us? As with all of this, if you just walk through and we're hearing and we're telling great stories, that can be faith-promoting, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we go out and we change our life and we do life differently than when you walked in this morning. Here's the piece that I think really needs to apply to us. And it's in verse 3. Let me hit, let, let's do verse 2 first. It's by your faith that you shall obtain a view of them, these things, and even by that faith which was had by the prophets of old. Now, and let me say this to all of us, as the same thing as he said to these witnesses. And after you have obtained faith and have seen them with your eyes, you shall testify of them by the power of God. Now, let me put this in order here. Because here's the principle. If you have obtained faith, if you believe, and I believe I'm looking at a group of believers. As a group, you have faith. It's cold, wet, rainy morning and and you're here wanting to know more. If you, if you believe, and you do, then the next step here is that you will then see, because that's how it works. And then you will testify. Now, let, let me ask you in the time remaining. Because you believe, you have seen. What is it that you need to testify of? In your time in the church, as a believer, what have you seen? What could you testify of? If today somebody wanted to know 
about the church? What have you seen in your life? What have you seen around you? What have you seen that you can testify of? The first thing that comes to my mind is we do believe in Jesus Christ. And how do and now you seen him? Well, no, but how are you gonna so what have you seen? Because he says if you if you believe, you'll see. But he's in our scriptures. Yes. And you've seen what he has done in the lives of people, right? I can testify that Jesus is real because I've watched what he did here and with there and over here. So I can testify to that. Uh, that's what I can say. I see the change in myself and the change in those around me as they learn more about the gospel and the Bible. The more I have believed, the more peace I feel. The more I believe, the more I am changed. The more he is dealing with me different. The more I have grown. I am different. Can we testify that to the world? Are Mormons Christian? You know what? Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Let me tell you the peace I feel. Let me tell you what it's done in my family. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. So you can believe what you want. I know it. I can testify that Jesus is real. And I've seen his effect in my life. And you can believe whatever you want. Well, just what we're talking about today, the witnesses. And since we have record, it makes me realize that I can see how God used those people. And didn't necessarily work out real great for them. But their testimony was Stands. given and recorded for me, yes. for all of us. And so the fact that he uses people to get his work done, uh, I sort of have to wonder how is he doing it? How, how am I going to get his work done? Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is that you believe about me. All I know is what I saw in New Orleans during the cleanup and, I, and what I saw in hundreds of brethren that day, that two weekends in a row. I know, I know that for sure. Oh, well, I was going to say, just about what she said, just the restored gospel itself. And if you've ever, those of us have been converts and know what's in other churches and have searched, you can see a huge difference in the in, in their information lives. that's available. Absolutely. The questions that are answered that just are not answered in other places. Yeah, the mystery is being unfolded. Yeah. Can, can you describe what you've seen? We you see the effect? The effect of just following him and feeling the love coming yeah. from the Savior to him to me. See, we're witnesses. We're witnesses of his glory. I mean, uh, think about the words of Peter. You know, uh, we, we were witnesses of his glory. And it's our job to be witnesses to the world of what it is that we've seen. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, see also means proof. They saw the plates, the actual yeah. plates that had proof. And really, we're all we're all still exercising faith to see those things, but the Spirit is the testifier, and we're feeling the Spirit while we yeah. see those things, and that's how we know. Yeah, and because we believe where it came from, then we see it in our life. And, I, and again, I think we can tell the world that. But there are those who see and, not, and the, that's right. The because they don't believe, they see it, and they think they're seeing something else, or they refuse to look. Those who have eyes to see will see it. Those who don't have eyes, or refuse to look, aren't going to see it. Right? Oh, I 
just, I think Martin Harris' story means so much to me because everything he went through, he, he mortgaged his farm and lost. Imagine, you know, we're seeing everybody losing their homes nowadays for our own stupid reason. He did it to bring forth the Mormon. And then his wife leaves him and dies. And he ends up completely broke living out there. Church members had to raise money to move him back to Utah right. and baptize and took right. 200 bucks or whatever. And, but yet he testifies of Christ. He testifies that the Book of Mormon is real and that he did see it and see an angel. Yeah, and he, he never, never backed off of that. I mean, what, you know, imagine losing your house and your family and everything that was probably important to this man, yet he still, yeah. through all that, finally rebaptized and was, and, and if nothing else, was always this great witness, like you said. Yeah. Isn't that cool? It's awesome. I, I love it. Uh, and, and so th that's why I think in this process, we, we know more than we think we know. Yeah. He didn't just um, mortgage his farm and sell that. He, he did that, but he gave all of his money. He had a lot more money than just the farm. He gave all of his money. Oh, he was an established, yeah, he was one of the pillars of the community. When you got that kind of land and that kind of history and stuff like that. Yeah, and his sacred honor and all of that. I think back to the signers declaration. So, brothers and sisters, we are witnesses. The, the legacy of these witnesses that we read is our legacy. And we are the current uh, holders of that. We hold, we may not have the relics of the plates, but we've got the Book of Mormon. We have, we may not see the sword of Laban, but we have our lives. We have the experiences and the things that have happened to ourselves and to our family as a witness for the world. We have a lot, we have a great story to tell. We don't have to defend ourselves to anybody about what the Lord has done for us and what He will do and what our, how our lives can change. We just need to put it out there and be grateful and let people know what we're grateful for. Another important part, you know, Latter-day Saint, to me, compared to other churches, is we are the privilege to respect Yeah, the, the, the fact that the Lord would call any of us, any of us Martin Harris's, to, to be able to be in a calling somewhere with all of our foibles. And he says, I know, I'll qualify you. Just hang with me. So, great, great point. Uh, Church is true. Book of Mormon is real. Uh, and we are, our lives are witnesses that it is real. And I leave that with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.